BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hello, Freckled Foodie fam. Today's episode is a great one for anyone who is struggling with figuring out how to have fun in life, reconnecting with joy and playfulness, potentially experiencing some burnout or who is prone to burnout and trying to avoid it at all costs like me, or really just trying to configure what the fuck is our life when you enter the quote unquote real world post-college and suddenly are an adult and how to still bring in acts of childlike behavior into your life to tap into creativity and get in flow and just expand your mindset. All of these things are things that I personally am working on, which is why I am so excited to share this conversation because not only selfishly was it so helpful, but I also think that so many of you guys are going to relate and hopefully walk away with a lot of nuggets of advice and actionable items. So today we are joined by Katina Bajaj. She is the founder of On Adulting, which was a blog that she amassed a following of nearly 100,000 people and turned into her book on adulting, how millennials and any human really can work less, live more, and bend the rules for good, which is, I mean, my dream. She is the co-founder of Daydreamers, which is a well-being startup focused on creative rituals and making hobbies cool again. And she emphasizes the importance of hobbies and creativity and getting away from the low-quality leisure hobbies like zoning out on Netflix or endless scrolling on devices. We dive into so much and I feel so jazzed walking away from this conversation because there are a lot of things that I want to switch up and work on personally. And tap back into to have more freaking fun in my life. So without further ado, here is Katina. Katina, thank you so much for joining us. I know that this is a conversation that this community is really going to care about because I get so many questions about adult life and figuring out this whole real world, which is what I reference life after college. And just honestly, for me, selfishly, it's something I think about a lot where one of my goals this year and definitely next year, even more so is to choose joy. 
and to find joy. And I'm actually, I like have been toying around with the concept of getting it tattooed on my body, but then my sister thinks I'll, I'll regret it. So to be determined, but not only that, but literally in the shower this morning, before I even remembered that this recording was on my schedule for today, yeah. I was like, I want to start scheduling time to do fun things that have nothing to do with work. And it's something I personally struggle with because my job is so intertwined with my work that everything I do, I'm like, well, fuck, I could make a reel out of this. I could make this a TikTok. This should be on my stories. Like that's a me problem, but I'm really excited for you to impart all of your wisdom on us and hopefully inspire all of the listeners on how to have fun because life is too fucking short. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Thank you for having me first of all. And also everything that you said is so top of mind for me right now. Everything that um, we're doing at Daydreamers and then also just the way that the world feels, right? Like we all kind of feel like we're stumbling into this new phase, this new way of being. And I feel like we are kind of questioning and relearning what fun and joy means to us and if we're allowed to do it in a variety of ways, right? Like related to work, related to our personal lives. So I think it's such a important topic and I'm sure there's so many different areas that we'll dive into. So yes. So much to talk about. So (laughs) I want to rewind and start from the beginning. You well, not the beginning, but your, I guess, career beginning. You were at Goldman. So what were you doing there? What group were you in? I was doing data analysis and real estate. So I was doing corporate real estate. Yeah, it was definitely not fun. So a very different (laughs) world than what you're doing now. Were you someone like me that had a very hard time separating yourself and your self-worth or your identity with your job title and your experience there? And like, I know I can speak from my experience. I was very like, I want to climb this fucking corporate ladder. I want to do this. I want to do that. Like always focused on the next thing, the next bonus, the next promotion. Like I was so obsessed with it. And I felt like that business and that world was the only thing that mattered. Totally. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, so to back up a little bit, I grew up in a first-gen immigrant household, which if anyone's listening, that's a huge part of my identity because so much of what I was told and kind of the messages that I received growing up was like, put your head down and work and just keep going to the next thing. Exactly what you described. Where did your parents immigrate from? From Greece. Yeah. Yeah. So I feel like the idea of fun was something that I was told I could do much later. Like once I was rich and like made, you know, all the things made my parents happy. So I feel like entering that first job was such a mix of emotions for me. I went to NYU undergrad. I was at Stern. So Pretty much from the moment that we entered, I entered college, everyone was wearing a suit. Investment banking was like the word of, (laughs) you know, the century. And I feel like it was just drummed into my head that the only way to be successful, whatever that was defined as, was to work in finance, to make a ton of money, and then like maybe later relax. 
But at the same time, I got to Goldman and like pretty much from day one, realized that it was not the space for me. I, as a little background, ended up graduating college a semester early. And instead of starting work, I like funneled what I would have saved from my loans into traveling to Australia and New Zealand and backpacking there for three months, which looking back on it now was like, what a decision. Yeah, who allowed me to do that? (laughs) I feel like... That was the first kind of bucking against the system, I think. And it was really the first time that I saw that happiness and like just feeling comfortable in your own skin wasn't defined by that external identity and that idea of like, as you said, climbing the corporate ladder, that next promotion. So I had these two back-to-back experiences of like, eating ramen and living out of a backpack for three months and then almost immediately wearing a suit, being in kind of this corporate tower. And what really sunk in for me was like, why do I feel so guilty for not loving this? Like my parents worked so hard for me to get here and I sacrificed so much. Like, why am I not obsessed with it? Like you said, the higher cheaper in me was like, I have to do the best that I can. So I kind of just like sacrificed, pushed away all my feelings and was like, girl, stop crying. (laughs) Got to work. It's so confusing because even I felt the same way where I didn't have the feelings like right away. This isn't for me. I actually was like, oh, I'm I I can thrive here like (laughs) this is for me. And it definitely heightened, and I've said this before, but my not so great characteristics, in my opinion. But I, when I hit a point that I was not happy, I was able to recognize I'm not happy here. My mental health is in the gutter. This is not good for me. However, I can't quit. I can't leave this like badge of honor job that I have that is so intertwined with my ego. Like, what would people think of me? What would I tell people? Why would I ever leave this job that like is setting me up for this life of luxury from a financial standpoint and everything that I've been taught by my parents, by America, that is success. I could never do that. Like that would be so going against the grain. And I was such a like, this is the playbook and this is how we succeed in life. And I will do the next thing. So I had my own kind of wake up call. That was my car accident. That's what sparked everything that changed for me. That's why I ended up leaving my job. What was it for you that finally clicked where you were like, I I just can't do this anymore? Wow. Yeah. You just hit on such a fascinating point. And as you were talking, two experiences came up for me. First, this might seem like a really small moment, but I think that a lot of times in life, the small things are the ones that really shift our perspective a lot. We don't realize it until later. But my like work best friend, we all have those. <laughs> yeah, this girl, Alan, we, you know, like bonded over our hatred for work every day. And often we're like, whatever Slack was in those days. Bloomberg chats. Yeah, yeah. We were honestly like scared to share our screen. <laughs> <laughs> a message popped up. But anyway, just to give a little bit of context as to how we connected, 
she ended up leaving to go live abroad and go to grad school abroad after about a year of work. And I remember talking to her really deeply of like, aren't you going to be embarrassed? Or like, what is your identity going to be without saying that you work here? Which was a really deep question for me. And she was like, happier. I'm going to be living in Spain, (laughs) going to this amazing... I'm good, girl. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. she's like, what's wrong with you? And I remember that conversation like it was yesterday because that was my wake-up call of like, oh, wow, I didn't realize that I was so intertwined in what the perception of who I was by working here meant. And then serendipitously, I ended up connecting with one of my old professors from school just for coffee because I was in such a deep place of sadness and confusion to think about what I wanted to do. And she was actually the president of this philanthropic venture fund in New York. I really wanted to understand like, what does it mean to make impact in the world in a sustainable way? And so she ended up actually offering me a job on the spot. Wow. Like, okay, if you hate this so much, why don't you work for us? And That was pretty close to the conversation I had with my friend, Alan. And what really held me back was like, the pay was actually the same. It was in this beautiful area of Tribeca, like all the things that you would want with these amazingly talented women, mostly who left these corporate jobs to work in social impact. And what held me up was that identity question of like, who am I without this title? And I think kind of going through my own process of that, getting over that hump that I didn't expect. It like freed me from any expectation. Then I feel like after that, I was like, who needs titles? <laughs> I'm I'm done with the system. So I feel like that was probably my biggest shift. As I navigate this second pregnancy and honestly get my butt kicked by this baby. I am trying really hard to tap back into practices that I know make me feel my best. My mental health has always been a priority, but especially during pregnancy, when I find myself in these like mental depressive funks, it is so important for me to turn to practices that I know lifts me up and help me feel better. One program I've been continuously turning to lately is Allo Moves. Allo Moves is a streaming on-demand wellness platform that features yoga practices, fitness routines, meditation sessions, and so much more from one of my favorite brands, Allo Yoga. They truly have something for everyone, from beginner to advanced, yoga to bar, Pilates, cardio, and HIIT classes. They even have relaxing guided meditations and breath work. The best part is you need little to no equipment. I am personally a huge fan of their prenatal offerings because I find it can be so overwhelming to navigate the fitness space when pregnant and just unsure of what you're allowed to do or not. And I love that there are options dedicated to this specific phase of my life. The biggest plus for me though, is that I can fit it into my schedule. Sometimes I only have a quick 15 minute window to move my body. And I love that all of the classes are on demand. They always have something for when I need to squeeze in a workout. It's not just me that is loving Alla Moves. It was voted best wellness app of 2022 by InStyle Magazine and best yoga app of 2023 by Women's Health. For a limited time, Allo Moves is offering my listeners a free 30-day trial plus, get this, 50% off an annual membership. But you can only get it by going to allomoves.com and use code CAMERON in all caps. That's allomoves.com 
all caps code Cameron to get a free 30-day trial plus 50% off an annual membership. Allomoves.com code Cameron, all caps. Hi, we're Carlene and Jill, hosts of Breaking Beauty Podcast, the show all about the breakthrough people, products, and moments in beauty. On our show, you're going to find hella inspiring guests like Emily Weiss of Glossier, and you'll get beauty tips galore from the top pros in the industry, like Kim Kardashian's makeup guru, and you'll hear skincare secrets from the likes of Dr. Pimple Popper. Plus, you'll get shopping help with our Damn Goods episodes, where we review the latest products hitting store shelves to let you know what's actually worth your money. Listen every Wednesday to Breaking Beauty Podcast. And when after those conversations did you end up leaving corporate America and what was your next step? Yeah. So I was at Goldman for about a year and a half out of school. My conversation with Alan, that pivotal unconscious moment was in that summer. And I left in around the holidays to go into that next job. And then from there, I ended up staying in that role for quite a while, but then started on adulting while I was there, finally having the kind of mental freedom and confidence to be able to express myself and really kind of question these big things. And then ended up being able to kind of move into that full time a couple of years later. When you mention on adulting for anyone who is not familiar with your work, what is on adulting? What was the mission behind it, like what led you to start this other chapter of your life while working a corporate job? Yeah. So for a little bit of background on adulting was and is still my blog and community that was all about figuring out how to grow up in a mindful and happy way. So a lot of these deep questions that you and I have been talking about Back in 2014, 2015, there really wasn't any outlet for that. I feel like blogs were kind of still nascent, right? And these Mm -hmm. like philosophical questionings weren't coming up in conversations with my friends. So I feel like I ended up being able to turn to creative expression after I got out of the depths of this kind of mental health struggle that I was in. And what I turned to was just writing on Medium, which was like the OG blogging space, I feel like, back in the day. And really starting to question why, like, what is happiness, which sounds so broad and so basic, but why didn't I feel that then? And how can we kind of create sustainable pathways in our lives that help us feel fulfilled and happy and why don't we prioritize them essentially so it really started out as just an outlet for me to kind of think and question and quickly so many people that I didn't even know I'm sure you experienced this too when you started blogging but just came out of the woodwork of like wanting to think and talk about these things together and it kind of started to take a life of its own why do you think from your experience writing and reflecting and speaking with people on these topics, why do you think it's so hard for us as adults to make happiness and joy a priority? Mm, oh my gosh. I think there are so many layers to that. But if we pull back and look at it from a societal point of view. And I did a lot of research on this for my book, which is what On Adulting ended up kind of coming to um, about two years ago. I think that millennials and Gen Z are specifically in a really unique spot because when we were born, 
the parenting style actually changed. So parents started becoming a lot more involved in their kids' lives because college ended up being basically a requirement for success in the world. So that's like literally when the term helicopter parent started was in the 90s, which is so fascinating when you think about it, right? So we started kind of changing our economic model, like the way that we valued success, the way that we talked about it. And obviously then with kind of the massive increase in technology and kind of access to that, we started really getting invested in comparison, right? So there are a lot of really big changes that have happened in the past two decades, but I think this is something that we started really diving into with daydreamers. And we'll talk about that. Mm -hmm. I'll explain what it is a little bit later, but like our obsession with productivity isn't new. Like it's been around since the 1800s. So our need as a society to kind of sacrifice our happiness and joy and ability to kind of be present in the moment isn't something that's like necessarily our fault. It's all of these confluence of factors that have really shaped us and what we value. And I think that like we're at this point and COVID probably was a major, you know, collective shift in this. We're starting to pull back on that and really start to prioritize it. As you said, like even thinking about it in the shower, this is something that is so core and fundamental to who we are as humans. We've just forgotten it. Yeah. And I also think for me personally, yes, COVID, I think gave people time that maybe they didn't have to think about how do I spend my time? What do I do? Like now that we're stuck indoors for the foreseeable future, unless you were a first line responder, like what's something I can do to fill this time? And people started turning back to hobbies of sorts, like whether it was drawing or painting or cooking or learning a new language or all of these things. And we all had very high hopes, right? Like I remember being like, I'm going to relearn Spanish. That yeah. didn't happen. <laughs> but for me, the most interesting thing has been after having a child, observing the world through his mm -hmm. eyes now that he's like 17 months, after he turned a year and realizing what was happening outside of his own body and consuming things around him and experiencing things. It was so interesting to observe from my end what the world looked like through his eyes and seeing this world through a child's lens where suddenly things that I would have never even thought twice about or looked at are really mesmerizing and fun and exciting, like the leaves falling or the clouds or being on a swing or going down a slide. like. Very simple things. And it's one of my favorite things that has come out of motherhood is this appreciation and new aspect of playfulness because we really don't play as adults. Yes. Oh my gosh. I was getting chills as you were describing that because I think what's so interesting and what I work on every day now is kind of helping us all as a society, like inject more of that playfulness, openness, wonder into our lives, because it isn't some frivolous thing. And I think going back to the idea of fun and joy, we think of them as like, whatever, well, I'll get to it later. But it's actually like core to our well-being and longevity. 
Like if we don't prioritize those things, then we actually have like worse well-being outcomes over time. And that's kind of what my, when I went back to school and got my master's in clinical psychology, that's what I focused on. Like, why are we all in this place where everything is just okay? and languishing as kind of the term that we have heard Mm -hmm. about so much but as you and I were describing how we felt in the corporate world like that was just accepted no one questioned that that was just like how life is supposed to be right but actually what you're describing with your son is how we are wired as humans and all of those things that I had mentioned before are just added up to kind of get us so far away from that core way of being. So yeah, we forget about it in adulthood. We totally forget about it. I also think you've mentioned this, but it feels like, not that there's shame around it, but even I notice being in this like somewhat public eye, if I'm sharing things I'm doing that are fun and that are without my child or that are for me, sometimes I will get commentary on it. Like, oh, how great for you. Like there's this feeling like I shouldn't be able to do this, which is not right. I want to know, like, so now you started Daydreamers. For people listening, what can you give us an elevator pitch on what Daydreamers is? Yeah, yeah. So we're still in, like, in the startup world, semi-stealth mode. So we're pre-launch, but essentially our mission is to be able to help us all reconnect with that creative part of our brain. What you're describing with your son like, is something that is a natural, innate way of being as humans. And as we get into adulthood, responsibilities, productivity, et cetera, all gets in the way of that. So we're really providing access to creativity as a well-being modality. So most of the time, the way that we care for our mental health is meditation or going to therapy. But there's actually so many more ways that we could practice it as this sustainable way of caring for ourselves. And we're kind of opening the door to creativity being one of them. And when you say creativity, like, can you give us some examples for someone who's listening and is like, I totally relate with this. I feel these same things. I want to have more fun, but I don't know what the fuck to do. What are some easy intro hobbies or actions or things that you recommend? Totally. So one thing that I'll say before that is we have so much baggage around the world's word creativity, right? Like you either are a creator or you're not. You are bad at it or good at it. And I'm a creator who doesn't feel creative. So I have a lot of baggage around this word. Totally. I mean, same. I actually growing up thought like creativity only equaled art. And I was so horrible at it that I just like suppressed it for a really long time. But I think like when we pull back and think about why we're starting daydreamers to begin with is to redefine what creativity is because it is this human behavior, right? It's our ability to ask what if. So ways that you could start to engage in this and build this muscle is taking a new route to your favorite coffee shop. Like that is creativity is doing anything new and being open to a new way of doing something. It also is looking at the world with wonder. So hanging out with your son is a thousand percent a form of creativity because if you're simply just asking like, wow, 
what is that cloud? Like, what is the shape of that? That is starting to activate your creative brain. But then the way that we see it at Daydreamers is that like, that's all fine and good. Awesome. Like thinking is great, but there's actually a difference between creative thinking and creative expression and creative expression, especially when we connect mind and body. So you're using your hands helps you get into creative flow. And what's so interesting, we just wrote a newsletter on this. So I'm really glad that you brought up this idea of fun because the only way to get into the flow state, which is often used to like help enhance productivity and stuff is by doing something fun. Like you have to do something and not care about the output of it. So you could be like finger painting with your son. You could be going back to knitting, you know, like if you ever had done that. Or you could be just like, I have clay right here, just using clay in your hand and not caring about what you're making. Those are all like really basic examples of creativity, but there are so many ways that you can kind of get into that flow state by just having fun. As we've been decorating our new home and making it ours, there is one space I am specifically so freaking over the moon in love with. It brings me so much joy and makes me feel just like so calm and relaxed and centered. And if you've seen my house highlights thus far, then you know I'm talking about our bedroom. I love the vibe in there so freaking much I never want to leave. It's all neutrals and beiges and light colors and it just feels so different than the bedroom that I had been living in for like almost 10 years. One of the appliances in our bedroom that not only serves a massive functional role in my morning and night routine, but also is aesthetically pleasing to the eye and fits our design perfectly is the Hatch Restore 2. I love this bedside sleep machine so much because it not only helps me fall and stay asleep with the sound aspect, but it also provides a gentle and calm start to my day with the gradual sunrise alarm that wakes you gently alongside the sounds of birds chirping. Name a better way to be woken up. Make space for rest in your life with the Restore 2. Sleep is so freaking important to me, and this machine is an absolute game changer. You also know what a proponent I am of making your bed a no-technology zone. And the Restore 2 wind-down feature with red light helps you break your late-night scrolling habit by providing you the ability to create your own routine to unwind and ease into sleep. Head to hatch.co and get free expedited shipping on your new Restore 2 so you can start feeling well-rested ASAP. Something I am fascinated by is the connection between the gut and the immune system. Did you know that they work together to carefully coordinate our body's response to the world around and within us? This intrinsic connection is known as the gut immune axis. The resident gut microbes directly impact the development and function of the immune system. One of the main ways to support your gut immune access, which is extremely important to me, is to prioritize sleep. You know by now how much I value a good night's rest and how vital it is for my mental health. Your body operates on a 24-hour cycle known as the circadian rhythm, which plays a 
key role in maintaining homeostasis of the microbiome. This is also one of the reasons why I love Seed's DS01 Daily Symbiotic so much. It contains specific strains of probiotics that have been studied to support a range of benefits within the gastrointestinal system, including the reinforcement of gut barrier function and the support of crosstalk between the gut and immune cells. Seed's DS01 Daily Symbiotic is a plant-based prebiotic and probiotic with 24 strains that have been clinically or scientifically studied for its benefits. I have been taking it first thing every morning for the past few years, and it has immensely helped my gut health. As someone who deeply struggled with constipation and bloat, I noticed a huge shift in my digestion and both the regularity and ease of flow with my bowel movements. I recommend it to literally anyone that has ears. I don't know about you, but I just learned a lot. Join me in my gut health journey with Seed. Visit seed.com slash Cameron and use code Cameron to redeem 25% off your first month of Seed's DS01 Daily Symbiotic. That's seed.com slash Cameron and use code Cameron. As you're saying this, my brain is going to my own life and Mm -hmm. I'm struggling a bit, not struggling, but I am reconfiguring my mornings because I'm big morning person. I love my routine. My hour for myself before my son wakes up is the most vital part of my day. However, sometimes I will wake up, I meditate, I journal. And then the next thing I do, which is what I want to stop, is I'll grab my phone. So it's not the first thing I do, but still I'll grab my phone and I'll look at text messages because I go to bed before like everyone in my life. So I always have stuff yeah. to catch up on. Totally. But then I feel like I'm just receiving, answering, responding, and then I get sucked in. And I want something to do where I have that time where I'm awake because I'm enjoying my coffee before I go to the bathroom. I'm relaxing and entering the day in silence. And I remember I bought this like coloring book during, I think it was when I had my concussion because I've had it for a long time. And my son actually pulled it out the other day because he just goes through our like media console. And I I saw it and I was like, wait a second, I forgot about that. And that might be something that I can do in those mornings where it's not taking like mental capacity. So it's not like I'm straining myself, but I'm also not responding to people. I'm not using technology. I'm not getting sucked into aspects of my life that I'm not ready to like enter, if that makes sense. Oh my God. A thousand percent. So I have so many thoughts on this because this is like what we do at Daydreamers is helping people bring like habits to creativity. So finding these small slots of time, it doesn't need to be like I'm whipping out every paint that I've ever had and spending a whole afternoon doing it, but can it be part of your morning routine? What I think is really interesting, I'm an avid meditator too, and meditation is so powerful, but it's, its purpose is to help us disassociate right and like be fully here what creativity does is forward momentum right so it's like not just being okay with what is but asking what if things could be different and what i think is really fascinating to compare those two habits is that like self-care and caring for ourselves has become a really important part of our conversation around mental health but like it's so much like deep work all the time right and going back to our idea of fun this like heading into your day in this 
enjoyable, energetic forward momentum is such a different approach than just like being okay with what is and then answering all of your emails, right? Mm -hmm. So I think that bridge is actually something that can be really powerful. And we know scientifically, like that's true. So that's actually exactly how I structure my mornings. I like sit in silence. Yeah. For a little bit. And then I either like free write, or I use some of our daydreamers tools and kind of get into that more creative, enjoyable space to like come into my day more happy. Yeah. I mean, I think it's so important. I also want to touch on the concept of burnout because Mm -hmm. it's something I definitely experience. Mm-hmm. I am a, I guess you could say determined overachiever, hard worker. Yeah. And oh, it's really hard for me to ever shut off. And if left to my own devices, I could work for 24 hours of the day. And like, even last night is a perfect example. My husband had a work dinner. And so I did like Liam's full nighttime routine. And I'm like, okay, I have from seven to like, 10 when I go to bed to do my own stuff. Like, what do I want to do? And I was very clear with my own mind. I'm like, okay, I'm going to do work until eight. Then I'll do some like personal mom stuff that like needs to happen around the house. Like just my never ending list of parenting things until nine. And then I have the hour to shut off and read you think I did any of that? No, I worked up until fucking nine 50 and was like, what am I doing? So I really need to make a conscious effort to shut off because I've seen what happens to my brain and myself and my business and work when I don't. And I am going to continue to make a more conscious effort to do so because I think it's vital for me as a human. But for people who are experiencing burnout right now, whether they are their own boss or not, what advice do you have for them on how to get out of that mentality and like reinvigorate their passion or creativity or joy? Because it feels so all consuming when you're in it. Oh my God. A thousand percent. I also, even though my, what I'm working on full-time right now is daydreamers, which is helping all people get out of burnout and into more creative lifestyle my evenings looked very similar to yours. So very hard to take your own advice, but Mm -hmm. I'll say that like, what's really fascinating is I have two thoughts on this. First, many of us are high achievers, right? Like we have these real perfectionist tendencies that have been kind of trained into our way of being through school, as we talked about before, through parenting. And what I think is really fascinating and why I care about creativity so much is that it literally makes your brain more flexible. And when you are a high achiever, you like, we have trained ourselves to only look in one direction. So we're just like moving straight towards a goal and nothing will stop us from getting there. Right. Even our own bodies telling us that it's too much, but what creativity does is it actually increases mental flexibility. So it creates all these new pathways in our brain. So we could pull back and be like, Hmm, should I really be spending my whole evening doing this? Or are there other things that I could do? So it's kind of like an antidote to perfectionism. That being said, I think as like an actual accessible thing to do, transition times in life, especially for people who are 
high achievers and experiencing burnout are really hard because they're requiring us to kind of get off that pathway. So kind of what you described in the morning too is a transition time, right? You're like starting this amazing routine and then you go straight into the things you have to do. Evening, like just kind of powering through and then going to bed. So I think what's really powerful is to pull back and look at where there are transition moments in your day that you're not creating space for. So morning, usually like midday, there's some time where you're like, oh, I probably should have lunch two hours ago. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And definitely didn't. And then evening. And I think kind of creating ritual and routine around those times and why I like creativity is that it's so versatile. So you might color in the morning, but there's also another really powerful, you know, free writing way to kind of offload all the thoughts in your brain and move into that slower way of being. So really kind of using the approach of what if things could be different? Are there transition moments? And is there like a practice that actually aids what I want the outcome to be, which is... right feeling more relaxed or feeling more energized. I think that's so helpful. And another thing I've been considering, which I know I've seen you discuss in a sense of like scheduling fun or scheduling play. Mm -hmm. I am toying with the idea of time blocking in a sense, because I feel like I will easily sit down and know that there are a hundred thousand things that I want to do, should do. I don't love the word have to do. And I'll just be like, mm, I'm going to do something that I know is easy for me and a low lift. And that's answering to my DMs because I'm yeah. just like, mm, I, I feel comfortable here, even though I don't necessarily, but I'm like, I know this is a low ask. It's just responding. And for me, the like person who loves to have a zero inbox and check things off the list, I'm like, ha ha ha, I got through all of them. So, I don't think that's the most beneficial way for me to spend my time. I do think it's helped build the community I have, but simultaneously, there are other ways that I should be prioritizing my time. So I'm toying with this idea of time blocking so that I have specific times in my day where I'm focusing on one thing because I also feel I mentally swap between all of the different hats I wear, whether it's creator, business owner, podcast host, mother, wife, like my brain is fried by the end of the day and I don't think it's helpful. So are you a fan of time blocking? Like what are your thoughts and how do we build and add in play to that? Yeah. Oh my gosh. A thousand percent. Yes. First of all, if you couldn't tell, I love all things brain related, (laughs) right? Because it's just so like, it's so fascinating that we haven't kind of discovered that this huge part of our bodies and how it works. And I think that time is a major component of that, right? Like our brains are kind of like a computer. So the switching costs that you just described of going from like answering DMs to answering emails to like hanging out with your son to doing all that actually has like a major toll on our emotions and how we move through the day. So I think that in this isn't necessarily realistic in whatever, in all areas of our lives, but the idea of batching like with like is actually really important for how we like exist in the world, focus our time and energy, and then also like feel are most fulfilled throughout the day. So in my personal life, I really try to like 
keep certain days of the week to certain types of This is what I'm trying. I'm really trying. Okay. And it doesn't have to be like all day, every day. But if you know, Thursdays are your day to be talking to people. So that's answering DMs, having podcast interviews, et cetera, or Tuesdays and Thursdays, whatever. It could be multiple days a week. But talking is the main thing that you're doing. Then that really helps our brains process like, this is how I'm going to mostly be spending my day. And I think that with our fun, enjoyable time too, that is also something that we have to kind of block in and prioritize in a similar way, right? Like we do that with our workouts already. You're going to be like working out legs or going on a run. You know what type of workout you're doing, but maybe with mental health, we haven't really gotten to the place where we can say, I need meditation this morning. I need creativity this afternoon. And keeping those kind of like ideas with like is really helpful. In terms of like scheduling time, I think that we actually, and I'll just kind of keep this thought short. I am really guilty of this, but most of us think we're spending a lot more time on things that keep us busy than we actually are. And I think that when we like take a step back and really realistically look at our calendar, the way that I like to separate fun is pleasure versus enjoyment. So pleasure is like looking through your DMs and getting to connect with people or like scrolling through TikTok. It's this hit of dopamine that you're like, yes, I love it. And it takes not that much effort, but enjoyment takes effort to get started. Like you got to get your stuff out. You have to mentally be like, okay, this is going to be kind of hard to start. But once you get into it, it's really beneficial for your well-being. And also the time goes by so much faster than you imagine. Like that is flow. So I think being able to differentiate when we need a dose of pleasure versus like effortful enjoyment is really important for when we like block time and how we dedicate, you know, emotional energy to that. This is so fascinating and amazing. And I think that like, for me, this is exactly what I needed. I'm in a big transition phase of my life as we record this, like work-wise. And so I'm really trying to navigate this transition, but also like, okay, well, how do I put these things in place to help me moving forward to make my life easier? Right. And like my end goal and everyone's going to have a different one is like, what can I do to spend the most time with my son feasible while still like having this job? So I found this incredibly beneficial. I know so many of my listeners will as well for anyone who's listening that wants a lot more of you, where is the best place to support you? Yeah. So first of all, thank you so much for having me. This was amazing. Of course. Um, yeah. And I would love to support, stay connected with anyone who found this interesting. Um, I am on TikTok. I just changed my username to Katina Bajaj, which we were just talking about on Instagram, still at on adulting. And then daydreamers is KS daydreamers, which we share. We have a sub stack that shares a lot of what I talked about today and just kind of like the science of creativity. So yeah. Awesome. All of that will be linked in the show notes for you guys to easily access. But Katina, thank you so much. It was so great getting to know you. Thank you. Same here. This is awesome. Thank you all so much for listening to today's episode of Freckled Foodie and Friends. I have so much fun recording the show. It is my favorite part of my job and truly is what lights me up. 
Your feedback and response to every episode is what keeps me going. And if this episode resonated with you, please feel free to DM me over on Instagram or share on your stories. If you are looking for a way to support the show, please rate and or review on whatever platform you use to listen to your podcast. It means the world to me and it really helps the show grow. Please also make sure to hit subscribe so that you are up to date with new episodes coming at you every Wednesday morning. And of course, please be sure to follow me on Instagram and TikTok at at Cameron Oaks Rogers. I love you and I appreciate your support so much. Please note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.